kind of ended talking about the uh, the law a little bit and what it was for, bright light, and worked our way into uh, we walk by faith. You know, we're living by faith, and we're going to talk a little bit about what faith is today um, and what it's not. Both of those things. All right. So <clears throat> in Galatians, we looked at this verse last week. The law was our tutor to lead us to Christ so that we may be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under the tutor. And so when I read the law, when I read the Old Testament, it teaches me things. It helps me understand things. But we're not teaching the laws. We don't teach people to sacrifice animals. We don't teach this, that, or the other. That they had to do, partly because it was their civil law, partly because it was there to help them treat each other right, but also how to relate to God uh, and, and realize, too, at the same time, how hard it was to just live life the way God wanted us to by our own strength and power. It's really impossible. All right, so, but we needed to know that. Not so God would know it, so we would know it. So we would come to him and live by faith rather than by works. And that's what's really important. Uh, learning to live by faith. Okay, we're going to talk about what that is today. You know, it says, uh, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Hebrews 11.1. 1. That's kind of a nice, concise, little elegant uh, definition of faith, what it is there. It doesn't really explain a lot about it. And so I've thought about it over and over over the years. You know, what does it mean to have faith? What does it mean to live by faith? You know. One place it says we walk by faith and not by sight. Okay, so what does it mean? Um, well, I was looking in the Bible for the word faith a number of years ago. And what I found out is the word faith, F-A-I-T-H, only appeared in the Old Testament two times. <laughs> um, you know, the righteous shall live by faith there in Malachi and uh, things like that. There was a couple, only two times the word faith, but there were other phrases that indicate faith. And this is what I learned. The Hebrew language is more of a pictorial language. There are words that create word pictures in the mind rather than a technical language. The Greek and Latin and some of the languages that our language developed from, like all down through time, they're more of a technical language. Uh, they have very specific definitions and then lots of words. So in the Old Testament, you saw words like believe or trust. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not rely on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. That's kind of a good statement of faith, right? What faith is right there. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Uh, you know, if we look back in the Garden of Eden, they didn't trust God. They decided to trust the serpent instead. If we look at, uh, you know, Abraham believed God and it was reckoned unto him as righteousness. And the New Testament talks about Abraham's faith because what was the New Testament written in? It was written in Greek and it was during a time when that was a type of language that was being used a lot in that day and time. They still quoted the Old Testament, Abraham believed God, but then they talk about Abraham's faith. Uh, another phrase that occurred a lot in the Old Testament is the words, wait on the Lord. 
Now, if I told you I'm going to do something for you and you believe me, then you would wait for me to do it. But if you if you decided, well, he's not going to do that. I don't believe him. You go out and make your own deal, you know, fix it yourself or whatever it was you thought I would had promised to do, but you didn't believe me. You didn't trust me. You didn't wait on me. And I noticed that there were a number of times in the Old Testament that people got in trouble, if you will, because they didn't wait on God. Uh, King Saul, we'll talk about him a little later, is a kind of good example of that. Okay, so what is trusting God? Well, throughout the Bible, Old and New Testament, you see faith and, or trust and obedience, believe and obey, connected. Uh, in Hebrews 6 is, or 3, it says, they did not enter, you know, the, the children of Israel were set free from Egypt. They get to the Jordan River and they refuse to go in. And it says, we see that they did not enter because of, uh, that they were disobedient. And they didn't enter because of unbelief. Okay, God said, go in. They thought, well, we can't go in that, that area of the world. You know, they'll, all ki- they'll kill us all. And so they didn't go in. They, they disobeyed. And so you see the idea of faith or belief and obedience or living out what you believe connected a lot in Scripture. But it, it tells us very plainly that faith or believing leads to obedience or works, but works and obedience doesn't necessarily indicate a person has faith. Now, how would we know that? Well, if you look at the people in Jesus' day, the Jewish leaders that he dealt with, they were real meticulous about keeping the law. They obeyed the law. They, they, you know, had it down to what we call the gnat's eyebrow. You know, they knew how many, well, you're not supposed to go more than a day's journey on the Sabbath. So somebody actually figured out, well, you know, for a tall guy, a day's journey, um, distance-wise, would only be so many steps because he had long legs. But for a short guy, it'd be a whole lot more steps. So they decided a day's journey was about how many steps you take. So they actually had a number of steps you were allowed to take on that day. They didn't have pedometers. I don't know how they walk around one, two, three. I don't know. And so they had this figured out, but they were trying very meticulously to obey, but they didn't have faith. They didn't trust God. Uh, the Apostle Paul talks about that, how he worked really hard. He was, as the law, blameless. But then he, he left that aside in order to become a believer and receive the righteousness on the basis of faith. You can read about that in Philippians chapter 3. So faith, trusting God, leads to obedience. It leads to the way we live is the way God would have us live in that moment. The words he would have us speak, the actions he would have us do or not do in that in any given moment. In uh, John 5, or excuse me, 629, it says, Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. They had just asked him, what, what must we do that we may work the works of God? Because he told them, this was a group that he had fed 5,000 of them. They tracked him down the next day. They wanted another meal. 
And uh, he said, don't work for the food that perishes, work for the food that lasts for eternal life. So they said, what must we do that we might work the works of God? And he said this, this is the work of God that you believe on him whom he has sent. All right, so the only work, if you will, he's asking us to perform is the believing, trusting. Acknowledge that God is God and he's true. He, he's not going to tell us a phony story. He's not going to put us out on a limb and saw it off or anything like that. All right, so um, obeying God starts with faith, trusting him, knowing that what I'm doing is what he wants me to do in the moment. My faith is not a rubber stamp. I believe God so I can do whatever I want to, and he, he puts approved on it. Okay. I know some folks that kind of believe and teach that. Um, uh, no, faith is very specific. We know this too. We'll see this here in just a second. Um, our faith is not faith in faith, but faith in him. Genuine faith is revealed by how we live, and we live what we believe is true. All right? So I've heard people talk about just have faith or just believe. Well, Faith in what or believe what? You know, faith is not a, um, a force that somehow I have faith and because I have faith, I can force things to happen that wouldn't happen otherwise. You know, so we don't have faith in faith. We have faith in him. Uh, that's why it says the work of God is to believe in him whom, G whom the Father has sent. All right, the next verse here, or statement verse, Jesus' example was that uh, he went a little beyond them. This is when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he fell on his face and prayed, saying, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Now, here's Jesus, the author and the finisher of faith, it tells us in Hebrews chapter 12. You want to know what faith is? Here it is. It's, it's someone looking at his father and saying, your will, not my will. Now, Jesus didn't have a rotten, stinking, fleshly, sinful will, right? He had a righteous, holy will. And so did his father. And you might think, well, why would they have different will? Well, he's also, in that moment, human. And he knew what the cross was going to mean. He knew what the beatings and the scourgings and all that stuff that had been foretold back in Isaiah that was going to happen to him. And so he basically, I think for our benefit, he was saying, Father, if there's another way to do this, let's do it that way. Well, the Father didn't choose another way because there wasn't another one. It wasn't because Jesus believed, I don't think, that, you know, there's another way to do this, right, Dad? <laughs> no, he wanted us to know, first of all, that the Father was doing it the way it had to be done, and he was willing to be the one who carried it out, no matter what it cost him. That's why it says in Hebrews 12, who for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Okay, right after he said, he's the author and finisher of faith. It says, who for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. And what was the joy set before him? It was our salvation. It was eliminating the power of sin over you and me so that we could, by faith, get to know him. He gets to know us, so to speak, and his Holy Spirit comes to live in us and we're born again. All right, so 
Jesus is the great example right there. Now, I don't know about you, but day in and day out, I face a lot of circumstances. Some of them not so near so big as the cross or the crucifixion, but I face a lot of circumstances where I know <laughs> something in me, the Holy Spirit and my spirit knows pretty much what God would want to do here. But then there's something else in there, too, rattling around in my head that would like to do something different, right? And this is a great picture of that. And it might not be that I want to do some sinful thing. I just don't want to talk to that person right now. I just don't want to give up my Saturday and go help the next door neighbor or somebody else in need. Right? I got a different will. Now, I don't want to go rob a bank. I want to go fishing or lay in a hammock and drink tea or something on Saturday. But this guy's roofing his house and he needs help. And I actually know how to swing a hammer and roof a house. Okay, so in that moment, I get to interact with my father and find out, do you, am I part of the crew today? Do I need to go help my neighbor with his house? Or is it your will, and it may be, for me to hang out in the, at the house with my wife? And, you know, because that's important too, right? There's no law we're living by here. There's no rule unless it comes down to sin or not sin. We're never to sin. We're always supposed to do good and those kind of things. He created us in Christ Jesus for good works that we would walk in them, Hebrew, or Ephesians 2.10. All right, so not my will, but your will. Each moment of the day, I'm faced with decisions like that. And guys, some days I do a little better than others. <laughs> some days I just get focused on whatever it is that's in front of me that I think I really need to do, and that's what I do. And later I realize that was kind of a waste of time. I should have done something more productive with my time or for me or my wife or my loved ones, my co-workers, or whoever. All right, so faith is all about trusting God and doing things His way, in the moment, in real time. But what it is not is a way to manipulate God or do my own will and call it God's will. And I, I, I've, I've heard that over the years. You know, if you get two or three people to agree with you, the Bible promises God has to do it. Do you hear anything wrong with that statement? God don't has to do nothing. <laughs> That's kind of part of the job description of being God. I'll do what I want to do. Fortunately, everything he wants to do is good and godly and holy and righteous. He never wants to do something wrong. All right. And so faith is not a way that I either twist God's arm or get a bunch of people to gang up on him and get him to do something against what he knows is best in that moment. You know, there's, there's a lot of stories in the Bible about people who were asking God to do something. And they got answers from yes, no, silence, maybe, how about later on, or whatever. There's a lot of different answers to prayer. And God can use all of them. You know, the, the three Hebrew young men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they figured that out. And they, when the king said, you have to bow down or I'm going to throw you in the fiery furnace, they said, well, king, you know, I don't really need to even give you an answer on the matter, but here's the deal. Uh, God is able to save us from your fiery furnace, and he will save us out of your hands. But either way, whether he does or not, we will not bow to your idol. Well, the king got enraged and threw him in the fire, and they, you know, and he looks in there and there's four instead of three, 
And the fourth one looks like the Son of God, and they walk out, and the only thing that got burned up was the ropes that had them bound up. The ropes that were bounding them fell off. They didn't even have the smell of smoke on them. But the guards that took them up and threw them in the furnace, they got killed by the flames. It was so hot, they didn't even have to go in there, and the flames were too hot and killed them. All right, so now that's the story I want, right? I want to trust God, and nothing hurts me. Well, Jesus trusted God and got nailed to a cross. And so, again, trusting God doesn't mean God's going to do it the way I think he should do it in that moment. Trusting God is, I, I know you and love you and trust you enough, Father, because you love me so much that no matter what path you have in front of me to walk, how difficult it might be in this relationship I'm in, uh, it could be a difficult marriage, it could be kids driving you crazy, it could be something going on at work, it could be a physical problem, but Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk through this with you because you're going to walk through it with me. I'll never leave you or forsake you. He promises things like that. All right. So now I, I got to be honest with you. I enjoy the ones that feel good and not the ones so much that feel bad. Right. We've all had to walk through a bad time here and there, a difficult place, a place we'd rather never be. Um, but that happens from time to time. You know, he told Timothy, uh, guard what has been entrusted to you. Avoid worldly and empty chatter and the opposing arguments of what they falsely call knowledge which some have professed and thus gone astray from faith. Grace be with you. He said, you know, guard yourself, Timothy. There's a lot of people out there with a lot of weird things to say, but they're straying away from faith. They're straying away from trusting God to the extent that their life is his life. You know, Galatians says, no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And that's the whole deal. Trusting to the point that the life I'm living is actually his life lived through my body. Here's another thing he said to Timothy. Uh, but realizing the last days, difficult times will come. Men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure, <laughs> pleasure rather than lovers of God, Whew. holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power, avoid such men as these. Holding to a form of godliness but they've denied its power. That was kind of the Pharisees in Jesus' day. And Paul, who wrote this, was a Pharisee. Okay, he gave all that up for faith and the righteousness that came by on the basis of faith. He said, stay away from that because cold religious activity, keeping the rules, you know, trying to appear outwardly righteous when inside you're, you just really got a different agenda, uh, leads to a powerless Christianity. Oops. Yeah. If I can get back. Yeah. Yeah. It leads to a powerless relationship with God. You know, holding to a form of godliness, but denying its power, is like carrying a flashlight around without any batteries in it. It doesn't really get, do you any good. Or not even turning the switch on. Okay, another <clears throat> statement here. King Saul, he's a good example of this. He wanted God to bless him when he obeyed, when he even when he disobeyed, because he wanted success and to look good in front of others. 
God told Saul to do something a certain way. And he's supposed to offer this sacrifice. And Samuel, the prophet, was supposed to come offer the sacrifice. And Samuel was late getting there. So he looked around and he goes, wow, you know, I'm going to kind of look like a fool up here. So he offered the sacrifice himself. You know, Saul was the one Samuel spoke to and said, I desire obedience rather than sacrifice. Just trust me enough to do what I'm saying. Okay. And so I'll finish with just a quick list of people. You can go read about them in Hebrews 11. Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Moses, Rahab, and on and on and on it goes. Um, People who had faith. Now, they were people like us. They did some weird stuff along the way and had a sordid past. And still, even as, as a person who trusted God, they still did some really dumb things along the way. But they were growing in this ability to know and trust God. And because uh, faith without works is dead, most of these people, you know about their faith because it talks about things they did. You know, Abraham believed God. He tried to sacrifice his son like father told him to. Noah built an ark. Um, Sarah had a baby. Moses led the people of Israel. Uh, Rahab was a harlot, but she trusted God, and uh, her life changed when the spies, you know, she sheltered them when they came into the land, and God saved her and her family when the people invaded that, that area of the world. And so all of these people were examples, and it said we know that they had faith because look what they did. Now, other people did stuff but didn't have faith. So don't let works trick us into believing that's faith. But faith will will produce a living that exemplifies what God is like. And that's what, what conformity to Christ is. I believe it's living in such a way, in such trust, that what I'm doing is what he's doing. I'm just cooperating with him in the moment. All right. I appreciate y'all coming, and we'll talk some more about faith probably next time. See you next week.